Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is episode 102 with Cindy Ashton. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxas. Welcome, everybody. Today I have with me Cindy Ashton. She is a speaking voice and presentation skills trainer, singer, and entertainer, and speaker with over 15 years experience touring and training all over North America on multiple platforms. Rejecting the old model of posing and gesturing that turns people into robots, her work goes deep to her clients to unleash her natural or their natural magnetism and connect authentically. She's received awards from both President Obama and the Queen of England for a lifetime of volunteerism and has appeared in multiple media, including on the front page of the Lifestyle section of the Times and in Performance Magazine alongside Donald Trump. Wow. So, welcome to the show, Cindy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Tayo. I'm so happy to be here, and hello to everybody listening in. Uh, Well, I mean, it's a pleasure to have you here. We're going to be talking about different ways to project confident body language you know, improve your dynamic speaking voice and how that plays a major role in building the brand, your brand of influence and formal speaking engagements. So um, I'm pretty excited about this because I've recently started booking speaking engagements and I, I kind of just naturally started doing stuff without knowing what I was doing. When I was watching myself, I saw I was making some gestures, like you were saying, unknowingly because I went there and I thought I was doing again. And I was like, wow, that, that, I was moving around a lot more. Than I than I expected to move, but I you know I, I'm probably expected that to be probably nerves or stuff like that that I just wasn't aware of. But um, I'm excited to take some mental notes. So, Cindy, how did you get started on this? That's an excellent question. So when I was a fetus, this is going to be a long podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's okay. No, when I was a fetus, I was swimming around in my mom's belly, and I was sporting jazz hands, and I always knew that when I was going to pop out, that I was going to be a performer and a speaker and be on stages across the world. And um, so how I really got into this is I, I'm not sure what story to tell you. Let me tell you the real story behind this. So 
my soul knew what it was supposed to do in terms of be on stages across the world, but my body had other plans with me for me. And I was born with heart failure and a 20% chance of living. And the whole left side of my body was paralyzed. Oh, wow. And so throughout my childhood, I had several heart surgeries. And I went through lots of rehab and had casts on my legs so they would grow up properly. And so by the time I got to my teenage years, I had gone through my last heart surgery. And the doctor said I would never be able to handle activity beyond walking. I have a damaged lung, so good luck singing. And they they gave me this whole laundry list of what I couldn't do. And thankfully, I was a defiant teenager. And I said, you know, when you're defiant, you're like, ahem, you. And I'm going to do this regardless of what you say. And so um, because of all the cutting of nerves and bones and tissues and and all the dysfunction on the left side of my body, I was left in chronic pain. So even though I was alive and breathing and kicking, I was left in horrible chronic pain. So, but I wanted to perform. So when I was finished high school, I went and I trained as a singer, dancer, actor, and I would just push through the pain because my joy and my love for performing just overcame any obstacle that was happening in my body. But what I found is when I graduated university, and my diploma program started auditioning, I was coming across very aggressive in my style because I was pushing through pain all the time. And even though I had more education and training than most people, I wasn't getting the gigs. And so the reason why I do what I do is that everybody in their life has some kind of a stressor. And so for me, it was living with chronic pain, which I'm not anymore. And I sleep through the night now and I'm feeling good and I'm really rocking stages across the world now. But, you know, what I understand is that we all have stress in our life. For me, it was physical. For some people, they've got the stress of running around after children and then having to go and do a presentation and be influential when they're frazzled. Everybody has some sort of stress in their life. And the work that I do is really about, yes, I pull on my performing side to help people to be magnetic on stage and magnetic in their meetings. But a lot of it uh, that I work with is relaxation therapy as part of it because we need to become aware of what we're doing with our bodies so that we don't become too aggressive in our style or we don't come across too insecure in our style because we're being influenced by the stressors happening in our life. Hmm. Now, and it sounds to me so you had you know some uh, a very big challenge growing up and something that a lot of people um, – might not have been able to overcome, and you overcame that, and then in that, in doing that, you were able to become a singer performer against all odds, and then through that experience, you also were able to find your voice. Is that is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it was really about in my twenties, not getting my career off the ground in this in the, in the performing side of my career, because I was also an educational consultant. Um, because of the stress I was holding in my body, it was projecting subconsciously to other people. And that's when the, the light bulb went on, on me about, oh, how we really come across and what our voice sounds like and what our body language is coming across as is reading way more to people than the words and what's on paper to people. Mm. And that really clued in. And I had to learn within myself how you conquer that and when you're dealing with stress in your life, regardless of what that stress is, how do you still stand up as a leader and be influential and be able to command the kind of pay and respect that you deserve? Huh. So interesting, the stress, the, the stress aspect that comes out of that. I, you know, we always see it in, in leaders, especially presidents of America. You can see that how gray their hair goes after the term. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. I was you, actually just thinking about that with President Obama. Exactly. I was like, wow, I looked at him on TV the other day and I'm like, wow, he is 
really aged. Yeah, exactly. And, and obviously, this stress plays a lot of impact. And yet, you know, they have to make all these speeches. Um, and a lot of times, you know, listeners on, on, on the podcast being uh, globally minded, they tend to want to do something on a global impact. But that also includes speaking or communicating the message to a larger audience. And I, I started the podcast talking about how I found myself doing that to a, to a group of people earlier. And I was watching myself and I could see that I, w- I was very nervous sometimes. So how do you project that self-confidence um, to, to you know, really command an audience? Is it oh, the- I love that question. Yeah. So there's a lot of different techniques, but let me start with at least one to get us started. So the, there's something that I love to do with my clients, which is help them figure out what their sensory trigger is. So going back to my acting background, when you look at really great actors on stage, you could read or on film, they either read as truthful and they engage you or they read as fake acting, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Trained actors who are truly gifted at their craft know how to activate their sensory triggers, which is get some kind of trigger within themselves that triggers them into the natural emotion. So instead of somebody trying, going back to speakers and going back to business people who are building their brand, instead of trying to be confident or trying to appear joyful when you're having a bad day or trying to you know, appear in a certain way, we don't want to just snap on a smile, and that's why I really reject this traditional model of speaking training, which is you're going to stand tall and you're going to put on a big smile and you're going to sparkle your eyes and all <laughs> that stuff. The thing is, is that people read people subconsciously, and especially with a wave of what's happening now, is people are much more conscious now. They're much more into building authentic connections and being genuine. People could read that stuff that's fake like anything now. Huh. So, So with sensory triggers, what I do with my clients and what you all can do right now is start to think about what is it that you want to project. So is it that you want to project confidence or you want to project joy or whatever it is that you want to project? And then you want to go back and say to yourself, so let's say it's confidence. Um, So what can... So what is a memory, a song, a picture, a movement, a something that will trigger me naturally and authentically into feeling confident? So let me give you a couple of examples of clients, and this will help you to get thinking about how this applies to you. So I have a client in Switzerland who is a brilliant woman, master's degree, has done amazing in her career, but she has a really hard time getting on the phone. Very, very nervous to even pick up the phone. And so I said to her, okay, so we need to get you not necessarily confident, but get you feeling more joyful so you don't come across with a shaky voice on the phone. And I said, can you think of a time in your life where you just burst out laughing and couldn't stop laughing? She says, oh, yeah. So now what she does is she thinks about that moment. And that moment is when she was looking for her daughter, Julie. And she was like, hey, Julie, where are you? And she opened the closet door and Julie jumped out with chocolate on her face I went, ta-da, hello, mommy. <laughs> and she was like four years old. And so now my client, before she picks up the phone, she'll dial the phone number. And then she'll take a moment just to close her eyes and see that chocolate face of her daughter popping out of a, out of, um, a closet. And then she presses send. And she's so busy being in her joy and her laughter that she's like, hi, it's me. I'm so glad that we're connecting. And she's, she's too busy being in her joy to be nervous. Huh. So she Which found, is real, it's cool, right? Yeah, she found her joy. Um, and it's a, so you were able to get her to get into that place and it was easy 
for her. Right, and it's authentic for her because it's triggered from something within her as opposed to her trying to be joyful. Hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh -uh. Huh. That's so interesting. Someone like me, for example, I'm, I'm, um, I'm often told that I'm loud, bubbly, or, and, you know, I, I tend to, you know, just the natural projection of my voice is it commands attention in the room. But, you know, sometimes when you're, you're speaking, you have all these speakers that tend to have instant command when they get on the audience. But then sometimes if, they, if the substance of what they're saying is, is not good, they lose the attention of the audience. Right. And then you have people like um, they're calm, cool, collected. You know, they, they seem like, uh, you know, <laughs> they're unassuming in, in, in a way. But when, when they're there, you have people who just stand in ovation, clap in, slow clap, the whole thing. How do you find that balance with those type of people? Because I, I can think of people from John F. Kennedy uh, to to people like Oprah and to people like um, me, um, I can't with the oh, President Obama, who right. sometimes he had that problem where people were like, "Oh, he's so charismatic," but I don't know what he said. And then you have other people like, "That's such a deep thing." How can you find that balance between all that? Because I'm always wondering. Yeah. Because whenever we study speeches, we're like, "You should speak more like you should speak more like this," but like to your point. There are different styles. There but, uh, are different How do you styles. stay true to your, to your own style and actually persuade an audience? Yeah, I love it. Okay, so there's a few things. But let's start with the charismatic. So let's talk about President Obama, who I think is better off camera than on camera. I agree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's because they give him scripts, right? Because yeah. he does like a like um, an address. Yeah. You see that he's looking at the teleprompters. And, I, and, I just, and he doesn't read as truthful when he does that, to be very honest with you. I agree. Yeah. But when I see him in interviews where he's naturally being himself, I'm in love with him. I think he's awesome. I don't have an opinion. I'm Canadian, so I don't have an opinion on his politics. But um, but I can tell you that as a, I would love to just sit down with him and have a conversation because he's so engaging. But so let's talk about first charismatic people because there's charismatic people and there's introverts. Yes. So the danger of highly charismatic people is that they walk into a room and I've had to work on this because I can walk into a room and grab attention in two seconds. Mm -hmm. So they walk into a room and it's like everybody's adoring them. And what happens is that it brings a bit of the hype energy into the room. And when people are in hype, they're ungrounded. And I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. yeah, they're not in their bodies. They're too busy like, oh, President Obama, oh, whoever has big energy, right? Uh -huh. They're just so like, ah, and that they and they stop being in their body and they stop thinking because they're so in their hype about it. Yeah. So with a charismatic person, and this is something I've had to learn how to do, what I do with those people, and I do this actually with introverts as well, is that I work on lowering their center of gravity. And just stay with me as I explain this, because it's, it's going to take me a little bit. But let's see if I could do it succinctly. <laughs> so our center of gravity is where the weight sits in our body. So when our weight sits in our chest, I want you to hear the difference of when I'm talking to you, and I want you to tell me if I'm sounding trustworthy, authentic, and if I can stay engaged with you. So here's me with a higher center of gravity. It's like, Hi, Teo, it's Cindy. So right now I'm talking from a higher center of gravity. How is this making you feel right now? Um, that, it's, it's, uh, I don't know yet. This, this feels like you're, I don't know if that's authentic yet. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I've dropped the center of gravity down. I'm breathing into my pelvic floor. Do you feel like I've grounded you a little bit more and pulled you in? Yes, I do. Aha. Uh -huh. I don't know why, but people aren't teaching this. They need to. Um, is when we drop and breathe right from our pelvic floor, 
What ends up happening is a couple of things. First of all, it drops the center of gravity. And when it drops the weight into our bellies, it takes the stress off the chest. And just doing that will pull a person in. Whereas right now I'm up on my chest and being up here feels like it's fruity and it's not very authentic and it's kind of all over the place. And yeah. it, this is really big energy right now and you're not going to stay with me having this big energy, but True. boom. Yeah. I'm still energized and I've dropped my sound and I'm breathing in my belly and the weight, when the weight goes down into your belly, and I'm sure that people don't want to hear this and I don't mean fat weight, but when the weight of the energy goes into the belly, your voice drops and it releases all that tension from your chest and, it, and your body language, whether you are in a meeting or on stage, comes across as more solid, trustworthy and confident. So if you're a charismatic person, you really need to bring that down into the body because then you can still be energized, but then you bring the audience to you as opposed to staying in the hype and then eventually exhausting them if you lose them. Yeah. It, right. And then if you're an introvert, introverts tend to be more nervous or more shy. But again, if we're dropping into the belly, what that does is when we're breathing in our belly and we're really grounding ourselves... It slows down our heart rate and it focuses our minds. So again, it helps the introvert to be able to feel more comfortable and in their body. So that's the first reason why we want to go down to the belly. Do you want the second or do you have comments? No, no, no. I, um, I have some comments after, but I definitely want to hear the second. Okay. So the second thing is, is that we're, from a scientific point of view, we have our second brain and where our solar plexus is. It's a vast array of nerves that are sitting there. When we breathe into the solar plexus and deep into the belly, we're actually activating and stimulating those nerves where our emotional center is. It's where our emotional center is. So if you're speaking from your belly, it's activating your natural emotions instead of, again, you trying to put on a show. It's, it's, it's fascinating. I have a degree in science, so just bear with me. <laughs> so I, I did a double major. I did music and I did kinesiology. And so half the day I was singing opera arias and half the day I was dissecting bodies. It was awesome. Huh? Well, I mean, it sounds like it, all that culminated in helping you become yeah. a better speaker in some way, for sure. So Absolutely. Absolutely. So the second thing is, is when you're breathing even lower than just the upper belly, when you go right into the pelvic floor and the lower belly... We're tapping into where your magnetic center is. So right around um, like about an inch from south of your or an inch lower than your belly button is your splenic nerves. And these nerves are your sexual nerves. And so when you're breathing down in there, it unlocks that magnetism. Now, I'm not saying we want to breathe into our sexual nerves and start flirting with everybody and gyrating. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm not sure how that would go, how that would read to the world. <laughs> it's like, yes, let's get President Obama and sexual power and gyrating on stage. That's one thing, that, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it wouldn't play out well. <laughs> it wouldn't play out well. Yeah, security and, you know, out. <laughs> and, Right. And, um, right. So, so, but if you look at some of the greatest performers in the world, and they've got that something, something, that magnetism, it's because they've learned to tap into their sexual energy because sexual energy is magnetic so it's not about overtly coming on to people and gyrating or anything like that but it's a certain energy where there's a fire inside of you and it's magnetic and you come alive so that's why you also want to breathe very low into your body because then you're automatically tapping into that magnetism it's very cool 
No, it's very cool. And now the comments I have are, are is very, you know, not I've gotten better at speaking and stuff like that. But the thing that I always used to go off of because I never really practiced was that you know I had this instant command of the room. You, it was almost magnetic, magnetic. And when I went there, that's what people would say. So I used yeah. to often rely on that. And then sometimes I noticed that when I would initially go and speak. Um, it, it, what would happen was my, my voice would just start going faster than, you know, how you said you were, you know, you were going high pitched. It would be like, cause I was going off that hype, right? I, I just didn't think I, I needed enough, uh, practice to really do that. Cause I thought I could really skate by commanding attention. But then I started doing something where I started, I don't know if, I guess it's bringing down to the belly, but I didn't do that. Um, knowing I just said, maybe I need to calm down a little bit more because mm. I, I didn't realize that I was talking faster than I was until I kept watching myself. So I just started using some more pauses, and then I would I would scan the room and then go on to the next uh, sentence. And then it seemed to carry more weight because it was like I was I was taken in the environment, and I wasn't really just going off of the energetic initial energy that people will have because I, I tend to be one that just <laughs> so, so yeah so, so what i'll do is that was i would say i'd like to tell you a story and then i'll pause for two seconds and then this is something 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 that happened and that way i would instantly calm down and it would be easier to command the room and my you know like i said i project easily so it was something that i was able to do but it made me feel a lot better. But before that, I was like, no, nah, I don't need to practice. This is already, I'm already going to have the attention. But then what I saw was their eyes would glaze and they're like, this is too much. This guy's like, ah, all over the place. So, so sorry, I think, go ahead. No, so I think it's, I, I, I was nodding my head after you made that first point about that belly thing because it's so true. Uh, you know, so Tayo, I just actually have to really commend you that you have so much awareness of yourself and your environment that you were able to, in, like, first of all, have that awareness and then intuitively make the shift. And I think that says a lot about who you are and how you show up in the world. Yeah. Well, thank you. But I, I honestly, I don't, I don't think I could have done it myself because it's, it started with the, when I started the podcast interview. It was the same sort of thing where I, I didn't know what I was doing. But I was just like going off, blah, 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 blah. and then when the benefit of having a podcast is that you start to listen to yourself, you're like, ah, "Man, that's tough to hear." <laughs> so, so you start to want to get better, and then you observe people um, that, like you said, I, I'm kind of. You said you were a science uh, student. I'm I'm a nerd that actually watches interviews over and over. So I'd watch. Oh. I would listen to like interviews. I'd watch Steve Jobs. I listen to. Martin Luther King speech, and I'll just look at cadences and stuff like that. And there's often power in cadences that I've noticed. Um, but um, so I'll do stuff like that. And I'm always, I always describe myself as I, I appear as an extrovert, but I probably more of an introvert, even though no one actually believes that. So it, it's I feel I find myself going back and forth between those type of things because sometimes I have to psych myself up to to do something. And it's it's interesting when you find your voice because it's. It can generate more sales, like you said, but it also helps in networking environments. Yeah, and that's what's interesting is a lot of people just think that taking speaking training is to speak on a stage, and I think it's important for anybody in business to learn. I go to networking stuff and travel the world like you do, and I see people who are sabotaging themselves all the time without realizing it simply because of how they're coming across. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, talk to me about this. So when you go abroad and you're in... We're going to pause on the speaking for a little bit because yeah. um, you're networking. You're in this room. You don't know anyone at all. You're the only, and you didn't even come with anyone. It wasn't like a business thing. You just went to some of that happy hour thing. 
what would be the first type of thing you would recommend people to do? Because sometimes people find it hard to just say hi to like a new person they don't know when everybody already has clicks and stuff like that. Yeah. Are you asking about what to say to other people or how to prepare yourself mentally? Both. How to prepare yourself mentally ah. and, and what's the like, what are icebreakers? What are things to do? How to be authentic? Yeah. Um, what not to do is shove your business card in someone's hand <laughs> and then add them to your list without asking their permission. Um, <laughs> don't get me on my soapbox about that. I take it that's happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Of joys of you know because I speak to thousands and thousands of people every year. People just add me to their list, and I'm like, I, I, I'm flattered and no because I now am on two thousand lists, um, <laughs> and it's spam. Yeah. Okay, so what to do? So part of it is having a game plan before you go in. So part of it is about the preparation mentally and physically. So if you're going into a situation, you need to know what your purpose is for being there. That's that's part of it. Is then you're in the right mentality for it. Then the second thing is is you want to go in there before you walk in the room. One of the things I suggest people do if they get if they're the nervous type is activate the sensory trigger. So get into your joy or your confidence, or both, um, with whatever that trigger is. For me, it's actually music because again, I'm a singer. I'll sing. I'll do whatever I need to to get my vibration up. But then the other thing that I love to tell people to do is to exhale longer than their inhale. So when you exhale longer than your inhale, and what that does is it stimulates a parasympathetic nervous system, which focuses your mind, slows down your heart rate, drops you in your body. So it's the same thing as if you're going to be on stage. You want to drop into your body, so you walk in looking more confident, and so your voice sounds more confident, and you don't come across as insecure. You don't come across as that voice that tunes people out. So if people, even before they go in there, are prepared in terms of being relaxed and triggered into a good place and really drop their weight into their belly in terms of breathing, and that is a really good first step. And just being more calm and grounded, that alone is going to help you feel a little bit better about interacting with people if you're shy. When you start out interacting with people, I mean, you could always start with a standard, oh, so tell me about you and what you do. You know, you could be unique. I'm not terribly unique, but I'll say, it's so lovely to meet you. Tell me a little bit about your passions outside of work. And everybody has to find what's right for them. But the reason why I ask for people's passions outside of work is because it tells me a lot about who they are and what their values are. And I know for me, I do business with people who have similar values and have similar interests that I can get along with. So I meet people who are rock stars and brilliant at what they do all the time, but they're just not my people and I would never hire them and I would never work with them. So, but again, that comes down to you finding your own signature. Um, one of my friends who's a multi-multi-millionaire, highly successful, goes in and says, tell me about what your business and what you need next. What referrals can I give you? And it works beautifully for her because people are like, wow. And they feel like they're really loved and they feel like they're cared for. Um, but what I would avoid doing is going into your laundry list of your credentials. Gotcha. I work with a lot of, I got hired by real estate and insurance a lot to go into companies and work with people individually. And realtor. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... 
Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Those are the worst for this, and I'm not saying all realtors, but they're like, hi, I work with XYZ Realty, and I've got 25 years experience with five gold stars. And it's like, oh my word, is that how you introduce yourself? (laughs) (laughs) It's very much from the look at me and how great I am. People who just met you don't really care. That sounds awful, but that's just the truth. So I really suggest that people go in there uh, uh, really trying to authentically connect with other people and taking a genuine interest in other people and connecting and seeing what commonalities they have. So, okay, I'm picturing just your, everybody's had, they having cocktails, you got a group of two here, got a group of three here, and you just walked into the room. Is it okay to interrupt the conversation? Or oh well, if you if you if it looks okay, so part of it is an intuition thing, yeah, and a, an observation thing. I mean, sometimes you walk into a room and you could see some a group that looks like they're your people, but they're really intense. You may not want to, you may want to hover but not interrupt them, or they may look like they're a little more casual. Then you can go in and you can just step in and wait for a moment to 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 start the conversation, but I want to just go in and actually interrupt somebody, but you can absolutely go up to a group and just smile and listen in and unless of can, of course, unless it seems like it's a close net thing. So part of it is observing other people's body language. Okay. Yeah. So you definitely, and that's something that you, you, you love talking about body language. You have to observe the body language and see, cause it's always, you don't want to be that guy or, or lady that, that goes in there and you're like that, that third clearly the third will where <laughs> they're talking to you and they're like they're strategically trying to move away from you and you're like okay this guy we, yeah. we don't want to talk to you <laughs> right. and when you're talking to people it's even noticing like if people are shuffling a, shuffling a lot when they're, when you're ta- when you're talking to them they're not with you uh, yeah if they're That's... shuffling their feet if they're fidgeting um they're really really not with you so yeah. you either need to ground your energy back down and bring them in and start asking questions to engage them or you need to say it was lovely to meet you and move on all right now is it okay to go and say hi i'm i'm tired right just absolutely okay, good yes so... absolutely yeah, that's the way to do it. Say, hi, I'm Tayo. It's great to meet you. What brought you here? You know, yeah. so just even the small talk, like instead of even what's your passion or what do you do, you know, what brought you here? Who do you know here? Like just get into a conversation with people. Yeah, no, I love it. No, that's, that's what I usually do because sometimes I'm like, uh, I just go for it. Just say, I'm Tayo. Yes. And then because yeah, I, I remember it, it took me a while. Like you, you had your story in mind. I used to be. I had the ugly duckling story where, what? It, yeah, in, in in middle school, I used to be terrified of, of 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 ladies. Period, girls, everything. I couldn't say, I couldn't find my voice in any situation where there was a female in the room. <laughs> so, and then um, I, I, puberty hit, you know, as I you know, I kept traveling, and then um, I sort of, I started to get, I guess, growing taller and stuff like that. But then. I, I would have a certain intention, but I wouldn't know what to do with that. And, you know, someone would say hi to me, and I would start stammering and, like, ah, 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 hi, hi. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. 
but I kept having to put myself in these uncomfortable situations, and it kept happening enough that I was able to start like saying, "Hey, I'm Tayo. This is what I, you know, how are you?" And then while I get them talking, I'll start to compose myself. But it was it was an interesting internal struggle because I felt so awkward, I felt out of place, and then uh, I just had to keep putting myself in those positions because I knew I was going to constantly be in new environments and if i didn't do that i would constantly be on the outside looking in but it's not a comfortable feeling right no it's not not initially but i think you would agree that you have to like sort of even though it feels uncomfortable you have to just continue to 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 be there on the center that's part of the process and that it you know it does get better with practice Absolutely. And so there's a couple of points here. And the first is that being uncomfortable is a beautiful thing because even beyond what you're talking about, which is so, I'm sure that so many people can relate, but we need, if any of us ever want to achieve anything extraordinary, we need to be willing to be uncomfortable and perhaps for a long time until we get to where we want to. No, I I completely with you there. And to get to where we want to, we want to be a leader of influence. We want to be someone that, that, you know, it's magnetic across TV, in a room, on text, and anything. How some of the leaders you've worked with in the past? What have, what are some of the steps that you've seen there that they've done uh, that they've taken to improve this? Are there like daily things we can practice to improve magnetism, or things that we can hone in on our our craft daily to make our ourselves appear um, excellent when we even have five minutes to to talk to an audience? Yeah, I love that question. So the first thing that comes to my mind is not what you asked me, but I'm just going to share it and then I'll answer you if you don't mind. Yep, not at all. Um, One of the things that I've noticed that the higher level of success that my client has had is the more humble that I find that they are. So it's not so much of a daily thing, although I could talk to you about daily what they do, but what I find with my, like most of my clients are multimillionaires and the ones that aren't are into six figures. Okay. But I find that the more successful they are, the more humble they are, the more unassuming they are. And I don't mean unassuming in the sense that they don't command a room, because they do. But if they were in a normal situation, like they were at a soccer game for their child, you would never know that they were a multi-multi-millionaire who ran a, a corporation, because they're so humble and they're so down to earth. The other qualities that I've noticed about them is that they are always open and willing to learn. Okay. They're always open and willing to learn. They don't believe that they know any, you know, everything. Um, they don't believe that they are always seeking for deeper mastery. And that's something that I've noticed about them. So I know that that sort of answers your question, but it doesn't. Um, but, that, but I thought that was valid to, to bring across is what I've noticed with my people. Humility and being willing to be a sponge. Um, yeah. I think, I think it's I would, something that's something I definitely would agree with. Um, when you, you were talking about unassuming there's some people that say dress for the part, right? You have the Bill Gates who or people who wear mom jeans and they're billionaires. And then you also have people that for some for some of them, you know, them wearing a suit makes them feel confident like they're going to they're going to start their day well. And they might not have two pennies to their name, but yeah. they they you know, they wear it it, it makes them feel, it puts them in a state of mind, and they can go about their day and sell. You know, maybe car salesmen will fill, fit into this. What would you say about those? Because I, I don't know if there's like a, a one-size-fit-all type of thing to do that. But the reason I was asking for a daily routine is some people feel like, you know, I they they speak positive assertions to themselves, put on this right. outfit, and they're they're good to go. But 
you know, I don't know. Is there a routine? Okay, so there's a... Okay, so I think that there are people who have daily routines, and daily routines is not a bad thing. Anybody that's successful I know has a team, they have systems in place, and they do have control. And not in a controlling kind of way, but they have control in the sense of systems. And they definitely... And then I want to go back to the dressing for success thing. But they definitely have routines and some some of them you know I'm just going to go through clients in my head some of them they have a daily meditation routine some of my clients will only start meetings at 12 o'clock onwards because the morning is for family like they really it's it's not uniform I haven't found within them something uniform except for the fact that they do have routines and they're clear on their priorities and they have a team that functions Okay, so they have a team that functions, and it's a, they make it a priority. Right, and they know what their priorities are, and they and they do have routines, um, but everybody's different. Like I said, some of my clients meditate every day. Some are some are adamant about reading an hour a day. Some are so everyone has a different routine. Okay, no, yeah, I got you, got you. Your clients, who who has been your favorite client, uh, and why? Oh, my favorite client. Okay, and then do you want me to answer the dress for success thing after? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, that, that was I was I was just I was pressing on that because I was curious because you said you have all these different types of clients, but um, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? I think two of the successful people they have really cr- really clear boundaries um, as well. All right, so I think that one of my favorite clients she's a VIP client. This is recent. I have so many. I love my clients so much. <laughs> but she came to New York, and, and it was it was remarkable to me because she has built like eleven not not for profits and over ten multi million dollar businesses. Hugely successful. You can't even work with her and unless you're spending at least ten thousand dollars. That's her lowest package. Wow. Or, yeah, yeah. It's it's very inspiring, and yet she's the most humble person and open person and willing to learn person it was really really inspiring to spend a, you know a, a, yeah I was with her for two days she did a two-day package with me so I spent two full days with her and it was just really really inspiring to see somebody who was that that successful have nothing to prove and I think that's a huge thing that I've noticed with a lot of my clients in the million dollar mark plus is that they have nothing to prove they just don't and there's something really beautiful about that because they'll never expect any, like, I never find that they are, they don't have that needy behavior that, that the people who are at lower income brackets have. They just, they don't have anything to prove. It's really beautiful just to watch them being in their being. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's good. Yeah. It all comes back to being grounded, like you keep saying, and, and um, some level of humility. Um, so, yeah, seems to be across the board there. All right. Now, the dressing. All right, so, so in terms of, it, I believe that it that it has to do with the situation. So, for example, if I go into one of my corporate clients, you better believe that I'm wearing a three to five hundred dollars dress with three dollars <laughs> shoes. Okay. Okay. Just to be really honest, I'm probably wearing a thousand dollars worth on my body when I go in, because it's a corporate gig and I'm commanding over five to ten thousand dollars. So I have to look the part in, in addition to my credentials. Hmm. So there's definitely times that I really dress in the right situations. I dress as I need to dress, and I believe that you need to dress as who your brand is. So if you are 
a Steve Jobs and your brand is, you know, cool and hip, jeans will absolutely work. My brand is vivacious, saucy, authentic, um, courageous. So I've got to show up looking a little saucy, a little saucy with being decent, (laughs) you know, but (laughs) No, I mean, obviously I dress decently, but I, you know, everything I wear is a little bit sexy, but very tasteful with bright colors because that's just my brand. So part of it is that you need to know, you got to dress for the occasion, but you also have to dress for your brand. And if your brand is jeans and your brand is jeans. Gotcha. Okay. And then there's situations like when I go grocery shopping, I'm wearing track pants and my hair is pulled back and I have no makeup on. I have nothing like I'm going grocery shopping. I don't need to look great when I'm grocery shopping so i i think you just have to dress for the occasion and be your brand yeah so, de- my opinion. so definitely know, know your brand and stay consistent with that um and just keep i mean you know steve jobs had his own jeans and black shirt some people have their um you know i think uh i can't remember his name right now but it's a designer that just wears uh navy blue suit and the open um white shirt all the time you know no no tie oh. and that that seems to be his brand the whole time so some people have their own sorts of things and just know who you are and command that uh right and feel it. And yeah. i can tell you with my with my entrepreneurs as clients i don't wear my 300 dollars suits when i go to meet them or my dresses so know, know your audience as well as well right yeah. so part of it's knowing your audience my entrepreneurs are really down to earth i could wear a tracksuit and they wouldn't care if i worked with them that way but i so i dress nicely but i don't go over the top like i do with my corporate clients gotcha okay all right now we talked about the breathing voice uh what about stance and uh posture ah let's talk about posture so there's different postures that you don't want to do and then there's one posture you do want to do so let's go through those okay so the first one is the person who tries to stand tall but ends up sticking their chest out too much. When you stick your chest out too much because you're trying to stand tall, it raises your center of gravity back into your chest and it causes a lot of chest tension. And then the voice becomes like this. It becomes highly aggressive because you're up in your chest. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good way to, to make people run. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so then people who are the opposite are the slouchers. And women need to be careful of this, especially women with big boobs. Just okay. to be honest. Um, you know, some think that's a blessing. I think for posture's sake, it's not so much. They get back problems and they end up slouching. And, All right. Um, so when people are slouching, what ends up happening, listen to what happens to my voice. So right now I've just curled my, my shoulders down. What just happened to my speaking voice? It came down with your... your, your right, your, so do I sound like I'm a very confident, commanding person right now? Nope. Nope. So the minute that we start to drop our shoulders and we slouch a little bit, it changes our speaking voice for the worse. It makes us sound really insecure, so we've got to really be careful um, So about our posture. Another stance, and this is more of a problem with men, is, the, is when they are protruding their pelvis forward. So they're kind of sticking their pelvis forward. Mm-hmm. I, can you kind of visualize that? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm visualizing that now. Yes. Uncomfortable, okay. uncomfortable visual. Yes. Yeah, it is, right? The minute yeah. you start pointing your pelvis towards someone, that's a problem. Yes. So I need to say more about this. But men, you guys are horn dogs, okay? Like, it's not that we're not as women, but we at least go in cycles. Like, men, <laughs> men are, it's like 24-7. But I have been at so many different networking events. 
and meetings where men are not even conscious of the fact they're sticking their pelvises forward when they're having a conversation. And it's a really great way to make somebody feel really uncomfortable. Oh. <laughs> now you're going to watch for this when you're networking. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm definitely going to. So. <laughs> then we have what I call the chicken neck. So this is the chicken neck. You know when you stick your neck out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a quack, quack, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, wait, that was a duck. But you know what I mean. Right, right. Um, I need to go back to nursery school and learn my uh, animal noises. <laughs> so when you're sticking your neck out, you know those people, they really lean in and they stick their neck out? It's almost as bad as the people with a protruding pelvis because it makes people feel like they're being crowded and it invades their space and it's very uncomfortable. Again, it makes people want to run. All right. So, yeah, I, and then I've experienced that too. When someone, it's, it's like their face is too close to your face or it's like... <laughs> And, and 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 I know what the intention is. They're like trying to be engaged, but you can see that the neck is at it's, it's at a different angle, almost a ninety degree angle. Like, and and you're, you're, you're chicken neck. yeah, and you're going back, and they're coming from. I'm like, okay, all right, this is this is interesting. We're going to be doing this dance. So it's the the pelvic thrust, the the slouching stance, and the the putting your chest up way too much. Uh, right. So okay. So right. all those sounds like overcompensating for some way. It seems like you're Right. Yeah, okay. So so to be in good posture, I do this 30 second body posture exercise and I'm not on camera so you can't see it, but I'm going to try to talk you through it. Okay. So what you want to do before you get on stage or even get on the phone or get into a networking is get your posture in alignment. Now, obviously, if you have major issues, you need to go see a chiropractor, but this will definitely help get you in better alignment. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you want to do is stand with your feet shoulder width apart and really stomp your feet and really feel your feet digging into the floor. So it's kind of like you've got roots at the bottom of your feet, right where your arch is, and those roots are digging into the ground, into the ground, into the ground, and anchoring down. So it's, it's again, about getting grounded and shifting the weight down in your body so your center of gravity is lower. So you just want to stomp your feet. You can even bend your knees a few times, go up and down, really feel yourself sinking, all right, so that's the first thing you're going to do in the 30-second body posture exercise. Then you're going to circle your arms up above your head. So kind of like if you were in ballet class and you raised your arms above your head. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Yay! Okay, good. Um, so, Tayo, did you notice that your ribs naturally went up? Mm-hmm. Good. So everybody should notice where their ribs naturally went up. So just notice where the ribs are. Now, before you bring your arms back down, breathe in your shoulders and go and drop them. Like keep the arms up, but you're still dropping your shoulders. Does that make sense? Yep. Now, notice again where your ribs are. They're naturally floating nice and high. Slowly, slowly, slowly bring down your arms, keeping the ribs nice and high. And just notice that your posture has changed. Cool, right? How do you yeah. feel, buddy? It's, uh, it's yeah, my, my posture definitely changed right now. So yeah. This is good. <laughs> it's probably much better now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that will, it's just, it literally takes 30 seconds, if that. It's so super fast. And again, it's a quick fix, but it's very effective to get, to give you that awareness and get you in the right alignment before you go network or get on stage. Oh, love it. Love it. And, and those are very two key things. It's the putting the, your shoulder, uh, shoulder width apart, the feet, and then you said digging them. And also that exercise I just went through—it's good. And that makes you feel more confident. I feel—I feel different. 
than your than your I... voice has actually changed. So when you listen back to the recording, listen to how your speaking voice changed. It's oh, like yeah. I just got coached. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's that's good. That's good. What about um, this? Is the last one before before we uh, wrap up soon? Eye contact. This is something I hear so many things. Um, yeah. Actually, actually, there are a couple things before we wrap up. There's one that says, "Imagine them in your underwear," and then the other one is the <laughs> eye. The other one is the eye contact um, thing. Is sometimes people say five seconds each as you scan the room. Sometimes people try to say, "Look over your head." What is the right way? Yeah, this is a really great question. So, um, in terms of envisioning people in their underwear, I've never tried it, so I don't know if it works or not. It probably does because people talk about it. <laughs> I actually don't have an opinion on it because I've never experienced it so i can't have an opinion right uh, but i say try it and if it works then go for it that's great um in terms of eye contact so let's talk about networking and then let's talk about stage in terms of what you're going to do with the eye contact okay. so when you're in a meeting or networking it's important that when you're talking with somebody you really look at them and you really connect with them and the reason why i'm saying that is that in north america we are terrified of intimacy and what I find, and now you're going to observe this, is what I find is that most people are not truly present when they're having a conversation with somebody else. They're, they're really, their eyes are wandering to the left and the right to see who else is around, or they're looking at them, but they're not really locked and engaged with them. They're just kind of staring through them. So when, and it's, and it's mostly because it becomes uncomfortable if we truly let ourselves feel another human being, when you really allow yourself to feel them. But if you do, then you can pick up stuff, you can be more intuitive, you can be in more of a flow. So when you're having a conversation with somebody, just say to yourself, I'm going to be committed to really taking them in and really hearing them and really interacting with them and really looking at them and not looking through them or wandering to the side to the side. Hmm. So that's, oh, I have such a fun exercise for that, but it's impossible to do it on a podcast. Um, it's a, I do improv with my clients. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole improv um, exercise we do where we focus our energy and we get committed. And it's awesome to see the transformation with my clients because they're like, oh, I didn't understand what it really feels like to be committed. And I'm like, I know. I actually have clients that have told me they have better sex lives after working with me. Huh. So it's, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and That's so a whole other conversation. But, that, um, that, that definitely is a whole lot of conversation, but it's. <laughs> but it's. Uh, huh. So let's. Uh, I'll tell you why in a second. But let's. Um, let. I think we should end with sex. I'll tell you why that, that, about that in a second. But um, <laughs> let's talk about stage. So this is a really great question. Again, what I see a lot of speakers do is that they kind of wander as opposed to committing to one person at a time. Okay. If you are uncomfortable at looking at somebody right in the eye, look at their forehead. That's the first tip I'll give you. So in general, whenever you have a new thought is when you have when you either move or when you look somewhere new. Wow. So if I'm talking to you, let me so right now I'm talking to you and let's pretend that I'm actually seeing you as opposed to your lovely face on my Skype. <laughs> um, so I'm actually seeing you, I'm having a conversation with you, and we're talking about this point. Great, this point is over. I'm going to look to the left and look at somebody different now and continue my point number two with this person. Great, I'm done that point. I'm going to walk a little bit confidently, really commit to where I'm going. I get to another side of the stage and I'm looking at the person on my right and I'm giving them another. Do you see where I'm going? Right, right. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. And again, if you're not comfortable looking at people's eyes, you look at their foreheads. Okay. Foreheads yeah. on their stage. Sounds yeah. good. 
right, all right. Good tips, good tips. Now awesome. we're going to end with... Sex. Because <laughs> we always end with sex. <laughs> all right, yes. So just to kind of, this actually summarizes a lot of what, of what we've learned today. So it really, when you learn to connect with people on a deeper level, when you learn to release the stress in your body and be in better posture alignment and learn how to ground yourself down... You're in a position where you can have better relationships with people. I had a CFO work with me who was had a wife that screamed at him all the time. And I said, listen, you know how I tell you to drop your center of gravity and breathe through your belly? I said, when she starts yelling, I want you to do that. And he says, really? I said, yeah. And slow down your speech and bring her into you and let her feel like she's being, well, make sure that she's being heard. And it was amazing because it transformed their marriage because she simply didn't think she was being heard because his body language was so off. And the minute that he grounded and brought her to him and she felt like he was listening, it changed the relationship, which changed things in the bedroom, um, which is really cool. And then I have other clients because when they learn to breathe into their bodies and learn to breathe into their pelvic floor and stimulate the sexual nerves, when they're actually having sex, there are things that you can do with the breath that you're learning to do to prolong orgasms, which is very cool. And that's a whole other show. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but some of my clients ask me, they're like, so I'm breathing, I'm breathing in my belly and how does this, like when I'm opening up magnetism, can this help in the bedroom? And I'm like, sure. And then I tell them how, and it's very cool. Hmm. Yeah. So it's, it really does help in people's everyday relationships. It's really amazing. All right. No, I love it. love it. I mean, I, I can't, I can't even, even begin to break down the amount of things we've learned today, but this is something that I, you know, I, once it gets out, I'll definitely go back and re-listen to it because each different occasion has different um, different ways to be persuasive. So I do appreciate you for coming on the show for that. But how, Cindy, can we find you? Oh, you find you? well, where do you find me? You could Google me. Um, but you can find me at yourpersuasivevoice.com. Yourpersuasivevoice.com. Okay. Any, any, any other exciting things you're doing that we should what? know about? Oh, what am I doing right now? I'm actually, for the first time in a year, not traveling. That's actually really exciting because I've been on the road nonstop for the last year, and I live in New York, one of the most exciting cities in the world, and I actually haven't explored it. So on a personal level, I've taken a little bit of a break from my own speaking engagement so I can explore my wonderful city and make friends and get settled here. All right, well, good, good, good. Well, I I hope you continue to do that, and then I, I can't wait to get this out there and have more people being persuasive leaders and Yay. engaging audiences. So, there you go. Thank you so much. Oh, and thank you so much for this wonderful interview and to everybody listening. Thank you. It's my pleasure. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.